and welcome to Netball Nation, powered by Netball UK, coming to you during one of the weirdest times we'll all experience, with the nation in lockdown. We're also recording from three different locations, so thank God for modern technology, because we are still able to bring you the show. Our special guest this week is Liz Bloor, who runs the Netball Players Association, and we're going to be speaking to her shortly. Don't forget, we're powered by Netball UK this season, and their message to all you ballers at the moment is, hashtag keep netballing. They've got posts, balls and more to keep your netballing in your home, garden or yard. They're also still delivering as well during these difficult times. So head over to netballuk.co.uk. Right then, are we ready for a little bit of netball escapism? This is Netball Nation, powered by Netball UK, your one-stop shop for everything netball. Shop now at netballuk.co.uk. Sarah, Mags, are we there? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Hi, Emma. Yes, Let's ready go. to go. Now, Mags, I believe your neighbour is currently mowing the lawn, aren't they? <laughs> you sit down, you get yourself in that perfectly quiet room, ready to rock and roll, and then... <laughs> how, how rude. Do they not know that you've got one of the most important podcasts in the country to record right now? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly not, but they will do at the end of it. <laughs> Sarah, what's your view like? Um, yeah, I'm just chilling at home, you know. Enjoying the nice weather. Lovely. Get, getting them vitamin D rays coming in through your window. Yeah, yeah. Getting my tan through my window. Very nice. Right, well, we shall crack on with this because we've got so much to get through. Right, Liz Bloor and the MPA is going to be our first topic today. Unsettling time for everyone at the moment with coronavirus affecting all of us in some way. Now is the kind of time organisations such as the Netball Players Association are so important, with athletes needing support and guidance the most. So we'll be speaking to Liz about how the MPA is providing a service to players players. Netball and the Olympics. Netball is not and has never been in the Olympics. With the announcement this week that the Tokyo Olympics set to start in July have been postponed for up to a year, it's got us thinking about the long-standing debate. Should netball be in the Olympics? And self-isolation and lockdown. Sounds very sinister that. How can we make the most of the time at home from fitness to learning a new skill to how to stay in touch with loved ones? We're going to cover all of that in today's podcast. Right then, let's get down to business. There's no better way to start than with the Netball Players Association boss, Liz Bloor. With the organisation at the forefront of providing support to netballers in the UK all the time, especially now. She's on the other end of the old school wireless, as we all are, and we're going to be speaking to her in just a second. Now is the time to pull together. Netball is a family, and like with any family, to make sure it runs smoothly, there needs to be a solid support network, and that is what the MPA is there to help provide. Netballers have often been in the background, not often given a platform or a voice, but thanks to the sport evolving, becoming more professional, and reaching bigger audiences, support is needed more than ever. Now is a great time to welcome Liz Bloor, who runs the Netball Players Association, and to ask her about the organisation. So first off, Hi, Liz. Thank you so much for joining us. Can you hear us? Hi. Yes, can hear you fine. Thanks for having me. No, thank you very much for joining us on this four-way call. Uh, now, <laughs> can you just talk us through exactly what the MPA is and what it is that you'd like to achieve as an organisation? Wow, quite a big, quite a big question. <laughs> um, well, the the MPA is formed kind of in the the like of the other players associations that have been in existence for many years. Um, we kind of launched just over two years ago in January 2018. And really, we came about because we could see and uh, players were coming to us and saying, 
we need help. Uh, things are getting professional. We're being asked to sign contracts and, and people were signing contracts without probably properly understanding them and what was in there. And um, we could see the good work that over the years, the rugby players, the professional cricketers and the footballers had had the benefit of, a, of an association. Um, so we uh, we sort of brought it together with various players inputting because it is very much the players association. Uh, myself and my fellow directors, we're kind of adding the, the structure and the business side, but we're very much wanting to be led and directed by the players. I mean, a number of high profile players uh, and people in the game, Liz, have openly supported the MPA, such as Tamsin Greenway and Serena Guthrie. Mags and Sarah, over to you two. What are your thoughts on the MPA? Well, I mean, like full disclosure, I was sort of there at the beginning when the MPA was, was being put together and, and we're still playing at the time and very, very much behind it. Um, I think it's important for the players to have a voice and, and to be represented um, at things when big decisions are made around contracts, whether that's on an, an England Roses level or a Super League level. Um, there's issues that affect the players that, you know, not always the players' um, concerns will be taken into consideration um, previously. And now you've got the MPA sat at the table when things like the postponement of the league has been talked about or the timing of, of the league and internationals and downtime and things like that. And it, 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 I think it's it, it's a massive step forward for netball um, and a hugely positive one. And, and it's nice to see players like Tamton and Serena supporting it. I think what it needs now is a current crop of players to sort of join up and get behind it as well, because times like this just highlight how important these, these sorts of organisations are. I just think that the fact that we ha are now in a situation where we need such an organisation, I suppose it's a bit like, uh, you know, a union, um, shows mm. how far the game's moved on and the fact that we are now moving into the professional era. And the players do need a voice. Sadly, mm. you know, when it was my day at that kind of level, there was nothing like this in place. And you were basically just told this is how it is and you just do it as it is. So I think it's fabulous that the MPA exists. And um, I do hope that, you know, all the girls who can be part of it actually do sign up and use it. Absolutely, because it must be a great source of reassurance for players who know it's there to use, particularly in times like this. What, um, what Liz, have you, have you had to do? What challenges have you faced during this time with, uh, with COVID-19? Well, obviously, with COVID-19, it's, it's just throwing challenges at everybody, isn't it? Because we're just going into such a period of, of unknown, really. Um, and it's going to test everybody's. Um, resilience. I think the main thing now is to make sure that, that the players' voices around the table when key decisions are made. Um, even if we don't um, bring about massive changes to where the decisions would have been going, it's just so important that players feel that their, their voice is, is heard as well and that they hear the news firsthand, uh, not sort of filtered through, through other avenues. Um, we've recently, uh, in fact, we just sort of launched this morning that we've set aside some money to create a, a welfare fund to allow players to access um, free to them some uh, sports psych and uh, mental health experts um, when they, if they feel stressed, if they can't cope, um, you know, well with what's going on. Um, we'll be sort of rolling that out in the next two or three weeks because from the advice we got uh, following a meeting a couple of days ago that several of the other players associations had through the PPF, which is the Professional Players Federation, um, they were saying that the anticipation is that people will start to feel down in a few weeks' time because there's a bit of novelty at the moment. If you think about it, everybody's doing fun challenges, people are 
throwing socks into waste baskets and there's leagues running and you know there's all that stuff which is quite fun and novel but I think once this digs in and we think actually this is quite a long time I think that's when we really need to think about how we help people use the time positively and and stay connected but also maybe think about other bits of their their life um, beyond netball because there is life outside of netball we all know but in the competitive super league season I think people get very very single-minded and focused quite rightly um, so this is an enforced chance to maybe think about other things. Well also Liz some players are full-time netballers others juggle sort of super league games with full-time jobs uh, and some are players and students as well um, does that mean then that the support does it range you have to offer a, a different variety of support? Um, well, I think everybody kind of needs the same thing, but maybe in different amounts and different times. So, yes, you're quite right. Those who have got a, a career alongside netball um, and those who are Super League players but not Roses players, they'll maybe tap into the MPA less. Um, and one of the things we are trying to get over is that we need everybody to be part of it. So it's for all players and the services can reflect the nuances of all the different needs. But fundamentally, I don't think it's that different. It's sort of support across emotional welfare, contracts and and um, commercial things, um, access to extra education, maybe work experience opportunities, and then support with transitioning. Um, those are the sort of core areas. And I think people will dip in and out of them because something like transitioning, it isn't just one thing that happens at the end of your career. It's something that every time you have to make a major decision about which university you go to or which club you join or being deselected, those are all transition points. And whoever you are, even if you've got a career outside of netball, you're still going to be impacted by some of those. So there's quite a range of services. And I think people will dip in to different amounts as and when they need them. I mean, Sarah and Mags, just knowing that that's available alone um, must be so reassuring for players, mustn't it? I think I think it's a massive support for players. And, and we, I spoke last week about um, transitioning out of netball for, for some older players. And, you know, this will probably be... A, a bit of time for them to sort of think about that, like like Liz is saying. And I saw Lima Sopoanga, one of the Wasp rugby players who who was an all-black, tweeted something in this last week about how, how this has made him feel a little bit weird this time off and actually start to think about what he's going to do after rugby because this would be his life if rugby wasn't there. So um, it, it it's a it's a strange time for everyone, especially especially athletes who who can't play and can't train and it's a complete change of lifestyle, but in some ways it might be a good thing for for, for some for some players to to be able to focus on different areas of their life, whether that's transitioning out of it or um, study or you know rehab or something like that. And um, to have the MPA at the end of a phone to to talk to and to ask for advice on those things is a, a huge help. Generally, one thing that I think all athletes, whatever their sport is, they must focus on being an all round person. Um, because if your persona is so tied up in just being a netballer or being a footballer or being a hockey player, then you can get very lost. Um, and I think that's what that uh, New Zealand uh, rugby player maybe was saying, Sarah, that he kind of doesn't know almost who he is when he can't be training and playing with a purpose. So whether you're, I mean, most of the netballers, apart from a few of the Roses, are dual career athletes, so they have got another side. But as more become professional, we mustn't let that slip away. We must say, right, what other skills can you add? What other interests do you have so that you're a full person, not just a, a netball player? Because, you know, if you're out for a year with an injury, which we know 
ACLs and Achilles can take you out for nine months to a year. You've got to be confident in yourself and who you are as a person. You mentioned, Liz, there, obviously, that a lot of people do play netball and they do something else. They have do it almost as mm. a dual profession. Do you think that netball becoming completely professional is a long way off? I can't see in the short term it becoming completely professional. I would love to see, and I'd love there to be a target that everybody, England netball, the clubs and, and the players are all working towards, that all of the Super League players are earning at least 50% of their money from netball so they can give half of their time to training and playing because I think that's a way to, to improve the skill because if there's more time available for training, all the Super League players will have a level of fitness and skill that will drive standards up because I, I see a bit of a gap between the Roses and the people in full-time programmes and those who are, are holding down a full-time job and trying to train as well. And it's very hard when they're only a small amount from um, their Super League clubs to say you've got to train 15, 20 hours a week. You know, whereas if we could get to the stage where the minimum was a half time salary, then I think that will drive standards and also mean people have a few more choices. Because at the moment, getting the full time for rest and recovery on top of your training and your full time job is probably the thing that goes, you know, the time to cook yourself wonderful, nutritious meals and to just relax and, and recover those are the things that the full-time professional sports people can really do well. Yeah. Sarah and Mags, would you agree with that? Yeah, I'd absolutely agree with it. Um, and I, I take on board what Liz was saying about the, the balancing of time and um, not looking after yourself properly, even when you are representing your country, let's say. Um, having worked myself full-time, working shifts, while still being dragged from one end of the country to the other for training, um, having no sleep after having worked nights to be at a session, uh, you know, at nine o'clock in the morning in London. It's really, really difficult. And I think that would be everybody's dream that these athletes were able to sort of go 50-50 and, and be fully recompensed for the time and the effort that they put in. Sadly, without more investment, you know, we're in a great place at the moment, but we could be in a much better place. And I can't see that happening right now. I just can't see it. Um, we've done exceptionally well uh, with the support from um, partnerships that the, the athletes get and the support they get from England Netball. But until somebody's prepared to, to really put their pack, wage packet on the table and say, right, here we go, let's do this and let's be serious, we're going to have the same problems. And so the MP are going to be busy. It's difficult because a lot of a lot of the revenue and sponsorship and things that come into the game are kind of dependent on England doing well. And, you know, the, the Commonwealth Games win was a massive boost for, for net, netball throughout this country from participation all the way through to, to performance level. Um, but we're now at a little bit of a different stage where, you know, the England team are rebuilding and yes, they've got new sponsors on board and there's, there's new sponsors coming to the league, but you kind of need to keep pushing that and, and netball needs to find a way of, of getting consistent revenue streams that aren't dependent on England finishing in the top two of a major competition all the time. So um, it, it's, a, it's a difficult time um, for everyone, but I think especially for, for netball to make sure that, you know, 2018, 2019 Home World Cup wasn't just a, a flash in the pan and in five years' time we go, oh, wasn't that a great couple of years? I was just going to say, I think it's the, the biggest challenge for women's sport generally because everybody's talking about how wonderful you know, women's sport is, how it's growing. We're seeing record crowds in, in across all women's sport. And netball, obviously, is, a, is, a, is at the core and the heart of that. 
But sponsors are not reflecting that with revenues. They're not putting their hands in their pockets. So they're getting more exposure. And in some sports, they're asking for the rights for the women's to be added into the package, but they're not looking to pay more for it. And I think we really do need to see a sea change from sponsors. I don't know how we achieve that because, you know, it's, it's certainly not my area of expertise. But we do need these businesses to say we can see the value in it and actually turn that into, you know, pound signs um, because we we can't get it just through gates, um, you know, the, the crowds and the, the ticket buyers and community programs, which is what the Super League clubs basically get all their revenue from now. I mean, you know, the, the mechanics of all that, Sarah and Mags, um, there just is not enough revenue coming in from those sources. We desperately need sponsorship to uh, to drive the, the sport forward as well. Can I just ask the question? I mean, Netball Australia, they seem to, you know, have managed to pull together some amazing sponsorship deals. And it's maybe a question to be asked, you know, how are they managing to do it? Where where are they getting the money from? Is their govern, governing body, you know, stepping up and doing a lot? I I see what you're saying, Max, but I think all the all the kind of news coming out of Australia at the minute around their league is is that that's a bit of smoke and mirrors. Really, um, I'm not yeah. sure they have got that much money, um, and I think a lot of what what's been happening in Australia is on the back of a big TV deal, I see. Um, which is which is fantastic for them. Um, but when you if you take that product off TV, um, in so now they're back like where we are now. Then yeah, you're back to square one. Yeah. Mm. Well, do you know what I think? This almost this topic could be uh, a podcast all on its own. So it's something that we might cover within the next few weeks. And if you've got any comments that you want to say or any questions that you want to get in, we're on all the socials at My Netball Nation. Liz Bloor, who runs the Netball Players Association, thank you so much for joining us uh, in this four-way conversation on the phone. That's thank you so much. And <laughs> um, keep up the great work. And please know that um, everyone within netball is very grateful that you exist. So thank you. Thanks, guys. Nice to chat take, take care. care thank you liz bye um, before we move on to the next section of the podcast we had a tweet guys from zara collings who wants to put a question to you mags and sarah her tweet says i would love to talk through each of the positions and explain their function at an elite level i played netball uni level so understand the roles but i feel like watching more international and elite level netball has changed my understanding of some positions very good question zara Ladies, what do you say to that? Oh, um, <laughs> I mean, I don't know. For me, I think what defines or makes the difference between an elite player and maybe a player that's uh, participation is the technical ability of the athletes and their, just their general um, instinct. I don't know if Sarah would disagree with that, but you, you, it, just the technical ability, the fact that they have refined their particular positional skills and they know how to do them better than a participation athlete. Um, you know, if we want to go through positions, we can do. Yeah, I mean, I'd agree with that. I think I think it's actually quite a quite an interesting exercise to do either as an individual or as a team um, to ask ask your team like, what are your key roles? So if you're a goal shooter, give me your top four like jobs on court. What what are your key things you you have to bring to this team? And I think people would be surprised at how many players couldn't tell you that. Um, you know, I mean, we, we could be we could be here for a while going yeah, through each position. <laughs> yeah. But but maybe if that's what people want to hear, we we could do that next week. But like for me, if if I was playing centre, um. 
and someone asked me what my what my key job jobs were then I should be able to say tell them you know and like for for me when I was playing I, I wanted to be um the main feeder into the circle um I wanted to get some clean turnover of my own I wanted to provide a link between attack and defense and always be available for those players so those are the kind of things you can look at and then it's probably a good starting point to then delve down into what skills and technical abilities you need to be able to do that and what people have got and what people are missing and where you can where you can work I think Mags, Mags, you yeah. said um, about it being sort of a, an instinctive thing. Is that as much um, physical as it is mental, or do you just mean mentally knowing what you need to do? I think it's a bit of both because you know we we could line up twenty. Let's say we line up twenty centres, and every one of them would probably have a bit of an appreciation of what was required of their role. However, you'll get maybe twelve of them who can. You know, maybe move the ball from one end of the goal, might feed the ball from three or four feet off the circle edge, maybe not place it just quite right. Then you'll get maybe one or two who accept, oh, well, the best place for me to do uh, to feed the ball is right on the circle edge, but maybe from not the best vantage point and maybe not give the shooter the ball they want. And then you get the Sarah Behrmans who know exactly where to be, what point on the circle, exactly how to move the defender to give the ball to the goal shooter. Also know that if she puts herself in this particular position or holds up on her other centre, how she can turn the ball over or restrict the ball going to that centre if it's a turnover. So, you know, and you've got to have a little bit of cunning. I like I like the word cunning um, because, you know, the, the, the best players not only are technically brilliant, but are also cunning uh, and have a few tricks up the sleeve. Like for me, it was always important that um, the limiting factor on me being able to do something was never physical because that's always under your control. So as a centre, if, if you're blowing the big ones with three minutes to go and you can't last a quarter... That's under your control. Go and fix that. And then you start putting the technical stuff on top of it. I can't, like, you can't get someone to be a world-class player if they're not physically able to do what you need them to do. And that, like I said, that is always in, in your control. It's something that's easily fixed because it's not, it's not instinctive. It's not a natural ability or anything like that. It's like, go and work hard get to the level you need to be and then that's never going to be an excuse for you. So basically you've got to be able to blow the big ones and play like Sarah Bayman and then you're sorted, yeah? <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty simple fix really, isn't it? Thank you so much for your questions, Zara. You can get in touch with us if you, are Netball Nation family, have any questions. Uh, tweet us at MyNetballNation or you can drop us an email as well. Hello at MyNetballNation.com and we'll do our best to cover these in the next episode. Now then, let's talk Olympics. Uh, feels a bit like the Olympics being postponed to 2021 was the final domino to fall really doesn't it never in its 124 year history has that happened that is crazy when you think about it uh but the age-old debate netball fans tend to get pretty passionate about uh that's been swirling around for a while now is should netball be in the olympics sarah what do you think my view is probably slightly controversial but i don't think it necessarily should um not because it doesn't deserve to be or any of those reasons, but I think I would prefer to see a professional league than us being in the Olympics. Would you agree with that, Max? Do you know, 
I, I was always an advocate of why are we not in the Olympics? Why are we not in the Olympics? And always being told, well, it's because predominantly Commonwealth countries play and none of the big hitting countries are playing netball. But I tend to take a similar stand to Sarah because it won't look any different. It'll just be like the World Championships yet again with the same players um, and the same teams ending up in the top four. So my heart's a little bit, I'm tugged at in both ways, whereas I'd love it to be on the biggest platform. Um, but I don't quite know what it would look like and would it be any different? Would it not help with media coverage of netball, do you think? Yeah, no, I think I think it would. Um, and it would help with media coverage. I think where I'm coming from is it's going to take a huge effort from the International Netball Federation, um, individual member organisations like England Netball, Netball Australia, whatever, to, to lobby to get it in the Olympics. That That's going to take a huge amount of time, effort, resources. For me, I'd rather that that level of resource be put into getting some sponsors on board for Super League, getting a professional league, even starting like a super tournament or something with all world leagues coming together at the end of the year or something. I I, I understand like how great it would be, like from an athlete's perspective as well, to go to an Olympic Games would be absolutely incredible. And it would put netball, you know, on a world stage. But then if people are watching like the 100 metre final, and everything else that's going on in the Olympics, how much coverage will it get? At the Commonwealth Games, it gets loads. And I think that's great. And, and that is like definitely needed. But it's going to be the same, like Maggie said, it's going to be the same competition again. And almost it's it's competing on a bigger stage with so many other sports that, that will it make that much of an impact for netball? But is there not also an argument to say, well, yeah, it should be on a stage with, with other sports. And even if, then even if it's not getting the coverage it deserves, at least it's there. Yeah, I suppose that is a fair argument, uh, Emma. That, you know, we can't argue about the fact that it is the biggest stage in the world, you know, every four years. Um, but, you know, there's obviously something, something underlying that's not getting it through the door. I'm led to believe, you know, a good, what, 15, 15 years ago, maybe, you know, it was given the green light to be put forward as one of the sports that could be introduced. And I got really excited in 2012 thinking, you know, the Olympics, they're in London, it's a national sport for females, you know, the most participation, blah, 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 this is it, this is where it's going to make it. And the powers that be didn't introduce it what their arguments, what the rationale was for it. But if they've had 15 years, you know, three Olympic Games in that time, and it's still not getting over the line, then there clearly is not uh, a desire for those in power to see it. No, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd love for it to be in the Olympics and for us to have a full-time professional league. But <laughs> um, both of those things just seem so far off at the minute. Um that I don't think that they're both possible. And like Max is saying, there's hurdles for netball, you know, at the minute there's like that the men's game is growing, but it, it wasn't offered as a, as providing an opportunity for men and women at the Olympics. And that's what they want new sports to have. It's not really played very much outside the Commonwealth. Um, and there's an argument that the Olympics would, would make more countries play it, but at the same time, it's like chicken and egg. We need to get more countries playing in order to get it in the Olympics. And um, it, it's it's difficult because, like Max was saying, there's been so many Olymp Olympic cycles, you know, 
Sydney Olympics, why would Australia not put netball in? Like, it makes no sense, but you've had so many Olympic cycles where it could could have been a demonstration sport, it could have gone in there and it's not, that now you look and you're thinking, is it almost a little bit too late? I think it's a shame, guys, really, because it almost um, sounds as though we're saying, yeah, it'd be great, but it just doesn't seem realistic, rather than that we that we don't want it in the Olympics. Yeah, I think yeah, that's I think the real that's... thing, yeah. I think that's exactly what we're saying. I mean, I look at some of the sports that, you know, that they have introduced to the Olympics and I think, really? How? But the reality is there must be a desire for it. And there are both male and females playing, competing, whether it's BMX riding or whether it's some form of wrestling. They seem to have both male and female representation at the highest level. And I can only think that that's the one thing that's holding us back. Well, like I say, it does seem like a shame. And I'm, I'm sure that a lot of people do have an opinion on this. So feel free to get in touch with us on the socials at My Netball Nation. Let us know your thoughts. Do you think netball uh, should be in the Olympics? Now, as a little side topic before we get to the final section of the show, I was wondering what you guys think of Super Netball's decision to postpone the start of the season in Australia. Sarah, I know you had some strong feelings on the delay last week. How, how are you feeling about it now? And what's the the latest uh of course on Stacey's plans as far as I know they, they've now delayed it until the end of June um which is a sensible thing to do um again I think I think they took forever and a day to do it and you've now got imports who can't get out of the country like St Stacey could have gotten gotten out of the country um I think there was a flight she could have got and she she ended up not leaving because her sister's there and she didn't want to leave her but for the Jamaican imports they they physically could not get home because they couldn't get through the states um so you know like everyone I think people are learning as they go um and you know I'm sure some some court super netball will have, will have learned from this um and yeah I think 30th of June is probably a, a decent amount of time to postpone for and, and and try and regroup and see see what their world is looking like then. What what does their world look like right now though? A mess. In what respect? Can you elaborate? I mean, I just, you'll know from Stacey. Um well I know in like in, in Australia they've they've kind of banned non-essential interstate travel. So you can't realistically start playing a league until that ban's lifted. Um and they don't know how long that will be. Uh, I think the league operates heavily rely, relying on the television income. So I think everything's very much up in the air in terms of what income clubs will have, whether people will have jobs, whether players will have jobs. Um, and it's it's very much unknown. And, you know, for, for all the fact that our league isn't professional and there's not huge amounts of money in it. I think the fact that players are continuing to get paid at Super League level um, and that that hasn't been withdrawn or cut in any way is a massive testament to the Netball Players Association, but also the teams in this league that that were quite very, very supportive of, of the, the players and understanding of people needing income at this time. So it remains to be seen what happens in Australia. Um, but... Yeah, I don't think anyone currently knows. Sarah, without wanting to, you know, put you on the spot or anything like that, you know, because obviously you have a personal interest in what's going on in Australia, um, are we aware of whether the athletes 
are going to be paid. And, and that covers obviously the Australian League and the uh, ANZ. Do we know? No, um, we don't. And I've, I've not heard a lot coming out of New Zealand at all. And uh, like my, my links there obviously aren't as close. But um, I think that the athletes in Australia are just very nervous and very worried that come next week or the week after, um, they might not have a job. And that's that's a really tough situation to be in. And it's tough if you are Australian and you're playing in that league. It's even harder if Australia is not your home and, and you're there. Um, so it, it's it's a weird time and it, it it mirrors what's happening, you know, all over this country and around the world with people losing income and losing jobs. And um, yeah, it's a, it's a really difficult time for people. It really is tough because, uh, like you say, you know, health is more important than anything. But when financial losses and you're out out of a routine, etc., uh, your mental health can be impacted by that as well. Particularly, if, like you say, Sarah, if you're not in in the place that you're from, um, you can feel completely isolated and alone. So, you know, as the weeks go on, as things progress, and we learn more about what it's looking like, we will continue to discuss this. And as always, feel free to have your comments and your say. You can get in touch at my netball nation. Now then going to end on some positivity today and a bit of inspiration as well for you all as even though we're in lockdown there is still plenty of ways you can spend your time at home productively as we touched on last week there are online fitness sessions you can take part in and for the younger players out there joe wicks is doing his daily pe classes on youtube for all ages to take part in and enjoy uh, from picking up a new hobby, trying new recipes out in the kitchen, creating a makeshift circuit training session in the back garden like Manchester Thunder coach Karen Gregg, or using the time to do an online training course or catch up on study. You can do so much with this time that you have right now. So Mags, what have you seen that's really struck you as a great idea to help players stay productive uh, during self-isolation? Oh, cripes. Wow. Um, I think the Put you internet, on the spot. I know, the internet and everything. It's just all blown up with all these fabulous uh, ideas and people being quite inventive um you know you've just touched on the shooting challenge that's taking place i think that started off with uh, storm and mickey austin and we've got a few of the super league players who've joined in and they've got a bit of a league table going with that one um and i think it even pushed karen gregging to getting herself back out there and getting a post delivered and uh Gre greggy won't stop until she's won it <laughs> <laughs> she'll be there day and night until she wins it. <laughs> you can you can just see her can't you and you know in the floodlight still doing it you know so it's even spurred on you know uh, an ex-roses and a, a super league coach to uh, get out there and get involved um you know there's the Natural athletes themselves, um, connecting with their netball family, their fans by making you know personal calls to some of the fans, uh, you know, and that which must be absolutely amazing for those fans to uh, to get those co uh, those calls. Um, you know, I think everybody just thinks starting off with all this ball and wall stuff, but it's so much more than that because the inventive um, nature of our girls have seen them doing some fabulous stuff. So if I just talk about our girls, you know, within the, the girls that I coach, we have a, a fabulous little leadership group who has designated every single day that the girls, on top of the, the packages that have been put together for them that keep them fit and keep them healthy, um, also have to do something like, you know, the, talked about the three things that you're grateful for. So they don't have to share that unless they want to, but we, we want to keep that positivity that despite everything that's going on, we are, we are grateful for so many things. And number one for me is that we're fit and healthy and able to be where we are talking about it. 
Um, and then, you know, on top of that, We've got them involving the families, so, you know, the parents are involved, the younger siblings are involved. Um, we're catching up on WhatsApp, we're catching up on uh, platforms like this, conferencing, video chat. Um, there's just so much, so much going on, and it's, uh, it's an actual joy to see that people are engaging. What I will say is, and we touched on this when we were talking to Liz, that we're still in the first two weeks of this, and it feels like a holiday. So it's when we get beyond this holiday feel or this holiday. This is the worst holiday I've ever been on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want my money back for this holiday. It's terrible. <laughs> no airport, no duty free. Um, where's but the, that's where's the swim <laughs> <laughs> Correct, Sarah, correct. So it's 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 that get through these first two or three weeks and then let's just see how well we can keep ourselves engaged and keep ourselves from going stir crazy. Absolutely. Well, Sarah, on that, I imagine you're not giving your players a holiday. Um, what what have you set up in place for, for those that are like rehabbing from injury or just generally just to keep them going? Yeah, I noticed you, you say the rehab first because we've got about half our team. <laughs> <laughs> we feel your pain, Sarah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, you do have to find silver linings and for people like Nat Panagari and Hannah Joseph who are rehabbing, actually, this, this kind of time is a huge opportunity for them because... Yeah, you might not have all the physio that you need and, and the gym and things, but it's kind of free time now because you would have been missing a season. You're now not missing that. And it's an opportunity to really properly heal and not push things too hard, but but make sure you you come back in like feeling really good and, and, and totally right. And I think like Mike said, it, we've been very aware of not kind of, you know, chucking everything at our girls in, in this first week or two. And so we like we have got challenges going and a lot of them are on social media in terms of, you know, some physical challenges, but then also like we've got a pizza making challenge on tomorrow. <laughs> um, oh wow. We yeah, we've like we've got teams that'll be doing different things all all through the week. Um we've yeah, we've got a whole list of challenges that we, we want the girls to get involved in. And it's not a like you have to do this um like sort of dictatorship but also it, it's mainly to keep people connected so you know if you're in a team and, and you're doing a challenge you're going to talk to the people in that team about the challenge and that's the idea of it like the, the girls are like using house party or zoom or whatever to do to do a couple of sessions together a week the other some other sessions they'll do on their own but the whole idea around what we're doing at the minute is to try and keep people connected staff and team and having a whole whole squad conversation um, online at least once a week. And yeah, just the the mental health and well-being and welfare of the players is actually more important at the minute than the physical stuff because yes, we, we hope we'll play some netball this year, but we don't know when that's going to be. And if it is going to happen, we'll have at least a few weeks lead in. So it, like we, we need people to keep ticking over. We don't need like people to turn into Arnie. So um, <laughs> that'd be so, pretty cool, though, wouldn't it? If if someone went into self isolation and came out as Arnie, <laughs> I keep telling myself I'm going to do that every day, and then I'm like, no, I'll start tomorrow. Stop. <laughs> I think you and us all, Sarah, you and us all. Now, yeah. um, just for you personally as well, Sarah, because we know you like your jigsaws. How many have you completed Nothing. so far? Um, 
Oh my word! I'm I'm coming to the end of the world's hardest jigsaw, which was the photo of mine and Stacey's engagement. Everything's blue or white, and my mum's like, "Just oh, wow. sort the colours." And I was like, "I can't sort the colours. There's only two. Like, um, <laughs> so I'll keep you updated on social media as to how that goes, and and if I just throw a hissy fit and chuck it off the table at some point. I was going to say I've got another one waiting for me, so I reckon after a couple of weeks, I'll have to I have to get another couple delivered well we'll see if we can sort you out a netball nation jigsaw if you manage to get through those yeah give me nightmares wouldn't it now then uh, you might have seen netball scotland performance director karen atkinson post a light-hearted yet important message about how she's coped with self-isolation in italy where she lives most of the year with her family uh the country's been one of the worst hit by the virus in the world and karen's talking about what measures she's had to go to to help stop the spread um she also offers some great tips though on how to keep busy uh but the most important message is how much she's enjoying time with her loved ones so whether you're with them or you've got to make do with a video or phone call like we are here uh reach out to those friends um that you haven't been in touch with for a while all the family members whoever they are living abroad like sarah and mag said it is so important that we keep that communication and sense of togetherness going because that in itself is going to be a welcome distraction to what's happening in the world right now uh it's also important to end with good happy news here at netball nation uh we want to offer a huge congratulations to love for lightning and England player Natalie Panagari, who recently got engaged to her partner Katie. Much love to you, Woo! too. Yes, Good Yay! work, Nat. Congratulations. <laughs> uh, right, I think that is a lovely place to finish uh, this week's episode. Right, I have to put a right wrong for one of my coaches because oh, we were doing, we've not been doing that, you know, a final shout out. Yes. Um, oh, I've, and, got, I've got one as well, actually. Oh, okay. Oh, there you go. Go on, go on. So, Hannah Doughty, you know who you are. You are one of our fabulous coaches. And um, whilst we were playing some netball, uh, her team, uh, Ricketts, won the Yorkshire Senior Netball Competition. So, big shout out to nice. Ricketts. Hannah, I do apologise. It's only taken three episodes for me to do it, but I've done it. <laughs> There's that, your shout. That's age for your mags. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I forget who I am most days, Sarah. <laughs> hey, hey, Max, she wouldn't say that if we were sat in the studio together, would she? She <laughs> bloody would. <laughs> yeah, she would. And Sarah, what's your shout out? Um, I just want to give a shout out to Leila Guska because she has managed to get out of Australia from Adelaide. She's come home and she's come home to work as a doctor and help wow. with the NHS wow. and Amazing. Fight, fight COVID-19. So... Shout out to Layla and all the NHS workers and, and everyone who's in um, yeah essential essential jobs at the minute, but huge effort from Layla, so good on you, girl. Yes, and also Amazing. shout out to the 400,000 people that have uh, volunteered to help the NHS. If you're listening to Netball Nation right now and you're one of them, we salute you. So to Layla yeah. and all of them, well done. Thank and you so much. And a reminder, much. at 8pm tonight, we all, we all go to our windows and give them a round of applause, don't we? Yes, oh, yes. So yes we do. Yes, we do. Now then, thank you very much for that guys the plan is to bring you pod number four next week as normal well as normal as the world is right now anyway uh, as always sarah thank you very much mags i'll let you go and carry on watching your neighbor mow the lawn that's your entertainment for the I'm day i'm gonna mow it? him over <laughs> <laughs> thank you so so much and thank you to you guys our netball nation listeners of course we are powered by netball uk you can listen to our podcast by heading over to mynetballnation.com and you can follow us on all of the social platforms at mynetballnation until next time Take care, be safe, and stay home. Bye, girls. Bye. See ya. This 
is Netball Nation. Powered by Netball UK. From local league to super league. They've got everything you need. <laughs> 